0: I'll rise. In the case 23-2832, Legacy Cares.
1: versus on the Legacy Cares matter.
0: Oh, thank you. Good morning, Your Honor. Jennifer G. I'm on behalf of the U.S. Trustee.
1: Thank you.
2: Good morning, Your Honor. Hank Taylor on behalf of the debtor. Good morning.
1: I think we've got somebody on screen. Z Farley, I see that name on screen. Would you like to make an appearance?
3: Your Honor, this is Zach Farley for UMB Bank. I am just observing. I believe my colleague may be in the courtroom, but otherwise, uh, I'll just be observing today, Your Honor. Thank you.
1: We don't see anybody other than my externs and law clerk, so uh, I think you're at Mr. Farley. Where are you located, sir? Uh,
3: Kansas City, Missouri
1: okay thank you go ahead mr. Taylor
2: uh, your honor we have one item on the calendar for this morning in the legacy cares case and that is the application employed Miller Buckfire as an investment banker in this case um, they were engaged in mid March to initiate a sale process for Legacy Park which is the asset of the debtor uh, they have been engaged in that process since then uh, we filed an application to employ them in the bankruptcy case under Section 328A, because their application, their engagement letter is on a flat fee and basically commission basis, uh, in, in the event a transaction is is consummated, um, we uh, we notice that out. We did not receive any formal objections on the record. Um, I do believe I spoke with Mr. Uh, Krupp, who is the attorney for the the uh, committee in this case. He indicated when I spoke with him that he didn't have any concern with it, but that was very early in his engagement. It, but nonetheless, I have not heard further from the committee on it. Um, the only, uh, the only, uh, there, and there was a, the U.S. trustee is apparently fine with the application. Ms. Yamo raised some concerns last night about language we had in our order that we uploaded, that referenced that the engagement would be effective as of the petition date. So. We're going to take that language out of our order and relodge it. So, um, but other than that, it's we have to
1: differential. Be... But uh, I flagged that issue as well.
2: Well, I think that was what what she noted um, before that you had raised that issue. Um, so, at any rate, we're going to take that language out of the order and and we're going to relodge it. I just didn't have time to do it before the hearing this morning.
1: So, let me ask whether uh, Miller Buckfire has done the facility sale agreement that is mentioned in the. Re- Tainer agreement? Is that done? Was that done even pre-bankruptcy?
2: It, yes, I, the facility sale agreement, I mean, that would be, I guess, an asset purchase agreement. Is that?
1: It sounds to me like that's one and the same, but they call uh, it facility sale agreement.
2: There, there's no facility sale agreement, Your Honor, uh, that's been finally drafted at this point. That is in the process of being drafted. We're drafting a form uh, asset purchase agreement to.
1: Are you doing the agreement, your firm, or is Miller Buckfire?
2: No, not Miller Buckfire. It's gonna be Michael Slania, who's the special counsel, transactional counsel for the debtors working on that. And the point here, Your Honor, on that is that we're going to have a form APA to submit to um, parties who want to advance in the process and become the stocking horse bidder. So we need to have some sort of form of agreement that we can use with that.
1: Unless I understood, it, everybody who's going to be exposed to this project is going to be expected to use that uh, facility sale memorandum, right?
2: Ah, uh, it would be yeah. I mean, there's obviously going to be some uh, some alterations to that based upon what assets exactly they want to purchase out of it, and and how they want to deal with it, and perhaps allocate value. But generally speaking, you know, that's the form. That's the idea behind the form APA is that we want everybody to use this. Um, And ultimately, the the idea here would be, Your Honor, that we would have that APA negotiated and then uh, filed as part of a motion to approve bidding procedures in the sale. So that's the the idea here.
1: I think I might have thrown you off because I call it a facility sale agreement. Uh, On page 9, paragraph D, and paragraph 13, it actually talks about a facility sale memorandum, and it also indicates that Miller Buckfire is preparing that memorandum.
2: Well, yeah, those are two different. Uh, when I hear that facility sale memorandum, Your Honor, we have what is called a confidential information memorandum that's been prepared by Miller-Buckfire. and um, This is the due diligence package. Due diligence package. It's part of their virtual data room. So they have prepared that. That's something separate that uh, we provide to uh, interested parties after they've executed an NDA.
1: Okay. That was even done pre-bankruptcy, I take it.
2: Yep, that was done pre-bankruptcy.
1: So when I read the retainer agreement, I see uh, lots of different combinations and permutations for compensation, how they're going to be compensated based on on what the sale itself looks like uh, or what the final result looks like. Uh, we're, We're really only talking about a sale here, right? And we're only talking about a sale for cash. We're not talking about, you know, exchange for debt or, uh, equity exchange or anything like that. This is a sale for cash, right? This is a
2: sale for cash. That's my understanding, Your Honor. Um, I haven't, we have not, you know, w- w- look, interested parties can present what offer they want to present. And, you know, at this point, uh, we would anticipate it would be a fair sale of cash. But, you know, there's any number of different ways that prospective purchasers could raise funds and, and offer to make an offer and a purchase. But, you um, you know, given the given the circumstances of the case, you know it would be difficult, I think, to pursue a sale that's anything other than for cash.
1: The senator doesn't want to be in the in the business of uh, doing a sale here and then have to sell whatever it is they got in exchange for this sale.
2: Right. It's, just, it's not not in the offing, I believe, your honor.
1: All right. Anything else you'd like to tell me about the employment application? All right. Let me hear from Ms. Jiao, please.
0: Thank you, Judge. So yes, I uh, spoke with Mr. Taylor regarding removing the pro Protunc language from the um, proposed employment orders. We don't have a problem with the um, the employment of the investment banker or the financial advisor. Um, I do note that there was there were um, motions filed regarding compensation of professionals. And compensation of non-professionals and the deadline for objecting to that is May 31st. and we anticipate we might be filing objections to that. Um, and so as far as the compensation piece goes, um, that's an issue for another day. But
1: you're talking about Knudsen order? Uh, yes issues? Yes.
0: Okay. And I believe there's also an, uh, an, a nudsen order for non-professionals as well. Um, but we're reviewing that right now and I do anticipate we might have an objection.
1: So one of the things this particular Miller Buckfire uh, arrangement calls for is a monthly payment in addition to whatever percentage uh, of the proceeds received. Uh, But that's calling for monthly compensation. The UST has no issue with that? Well, I do,
0: um, but because I believe the language of the order um, provides that – which order is this? Hold on.
1: Um. So the order says the retainer agreement uh, uh incorporated the order and the retainer agreement calls for uh, Basically from the start date, which is a date in March that date every month is when they get $75,000
0: Right. Well, that's not going to happen now that the non pro tongue language is gone. I'm, I'm I'm assuming
2: No, your honor respectfully they're being employed under 328 on a flat fee basis, and they're, they've earned their—they will have earned their May fee um, at the end of this month. I don't see how the NuG Pro Tank language has any effect on that. They're not filing fee applications.
0: I—I'm uh, sorry. I thought you said March, Your Honor.
1: Well, the retainer agreement itself was signed in March. Right. That's and it's, I think the way the agreement works is starting on that date that things got signed that date every month is the date by which they're gonna receive their $75,000.
0: Well, I think then we would need to work that out in light of the fact that this is not gonna be nunc pro-tunk. So that would be a pre-petition debt.
1: To me, the nunc pro-tunk issue is just a question of petition date versus when the application to employ was filed, and that's a two-day differential.
0: Right, right, and we don't, right.
1: You're talking about something different. You're talking about essentially an assumption uh, of a pre-petition contract.
0: Right, so the employment, if it's not nunc pro-tunk, then the employment will be effective as of today, when the court orders it?
1: No, I think it'll be effective as of the date of the motion filed, which would be May 3.
0: Okay, that that's fine. Um, but that's May third. so for any work prior to that, um, I'm not sure how that would be paid.
1: Are you focused on a two-day differential, or are you focusing on the date in March that this assigned and any payment that they should have received but didn't receive pre-bankruptcy?
0: Exactly. That okay. is so, what I'm Mr.
1: Talking. Taylor, maybe you can tell us because, if I recall correctly, it was something like $165,000, $175,000 was paid pre petition to Miller Buckfire. Were they completely current uh, on their compensation up through the petition
2: date? Yes, Your Honor. They were current.
1: Okay, so I think we are only talking about a two-day period. Then.
2: Okay.
0: Um, so my understanding of reading the order is that it's under the standards of the bankruptcy code, Section 330 and 331. So I, I, my understanding of, I mean, it's a very long order. Um, my understanding is that peop- that parties will have an opportunity to review and object to Fee applications in this case. If I'm mistaken about that, then I do have a problem with this order.
1: Mr. Taylor, maybe you can explain what the intent
2: is here. Uh, I think it's pretty clearly that they are being employed on a flat fee basis with a commission for a sale and that they are going to be paid $75,000 a month going forward without the need to file fee applications. I believe that's clear in the order they're not being subject to reasonableness review. I mean, that's why we've had this as a 328 application, that's why we noticed it out immediately as that, because that's obviously concerning the court. So um, I I don't know why at this point the US Trustee is suggesting this is going to be treated, this employment would be treated like the employment of of attorneys and other professionals in this case, uh, which were clearly under 327, and we acknowledge that we would be filing fee applications. So no, we're not, we're not agreeing at this point that they're going to file fee applications, and there's not going to be reasonable this review. I mean, I think there's some mechanism for the court to ultimately look at what's, what's granted here, but this is not going to be treated like in fee applications for other professionals in this case, and we made that pretty clear. And <coughs> as well, the other motion that she alluded to is we have filed a, a motion to authorize employment of ordinary course professionals, okay? Um, and that's something separate. Not not a issue. Here. We filed a request for a newton order and in that request your honor We were very careful to say that Miller Buckfire and epic are noticing and claims agents are not subject to this because they're employed under different Standards, so that's that's how all these pieces fit together your honor. Understood, Ms. mr. Yes.
0: so I uh, then I apologize your honor then my my I misunderstood the order, so I'm going to ask your honor if you would give me an opportunity to work with Mr. Taylor on the language of this before you sign it. And if we do still have an issue, give us an opportunity to file an
2: objection. Mr. Taylor, I can't agree to that, your honor. We've Mr. Buckfire has been anxious to get their order they've been working full bore for a month now, understanding that this was going to be uh, the terms of their deal. I mean, this is why we had an objection deadline set I Miller Buckfire asked me as uh, you know last week do we have any need to have somebody here in Arizona for this hearing I didn't understand because the objection deadline had passed and anybody would be objecting so no I'm, I'm not inclined to keep this open for the. US trustee to raise issues that should have been raised a while ago.
0: okay well clearly there's a lot going on in this case your honor so I would respectfully request that we have that opportunity and if not then we might file a motion to reconsider. If the order is issued
1: in other words go ahead and sign this order you'll study it further and if uh you think this was ill-advised then look to secret reconsideration under 59 or 60 um within the time i i
0: I suppose that would be our alternative yes okay
1: have you talked to the committee's counsel jordan crew i have
0: not they have not reached out to me they um i I obviously I was involved in getting the committee together and I haven't heard anything else. So no, I think they're just getting up to speed. So I'm not sure they even had an opportunity to fully look at this. I mean, there's so many other issues that everybody was looking at. Um, so I apologize that I didn't fully understand the nature of this order. That's why I would rather have an opportunity and I could get the objection done tomorrow if necessary. Um, I would get it done immediately, but that's why I'm asking that at least I have an opportunity to go through this with Mr. Taylor. If he and I can't iron it out today, then, then I would file an objection tomorrow.
1: So here's what I'd be inclined to do, and that is approve this today. Uh, you continue to have discussion with Mr. Taylor. It seems like you ought to probably have a discussion with Mr. Krupp as well. Uh, and uh, if, uh, if you all come to some consensus and need to submit a amended order, Fine. Okay. Uh, if you can't come to consensus, then uh, look at Rule 59 and, and 60 and see uh, where you stand. I'm not going <laughs> to force you to file something by tomorrow, uh, but okay. of course, the longer we delay between the entry of this order and uh, uh, any challenge you're going to have, uh, it, it doesn't endure to your benefit to Right. Work, I understand saying. that.
0: Yes. Okay. 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 That's fine. Um, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, just in all fairness to all the parties, especially the committee counsel that just got hired There's a lot of material here And so there has to be some leeway and some flexibility by mr. Taylor the debtor to allow the parties to be able to fully um, Review everything that's on file and that's the nature
2: of due process so.
1: understood Mr. Taylor you had something more to add.
2: Yeah, just just the last comment yeah, I've had, had several conversations with mr. Cruz. Um, but my initial conversation with him when he was first retained, and made a notice of appearance. He asked for, and this is something I'll just preview for you, he asked for an extension of time to review our DIP financing motion, and so this afternoon I'll be asking the court to continue that final hearing for two weeks, okay? Okay. Uh, Does Ms.
1: Jamo know that before
2: you just stated it?
0: I, I was just made aware of that today, this morning.
2: Okay. So that, that, that's just something to come this afternoon. Uh, in that conversation with Mr. Krupp, I specifically said there were a couple of things that I'd like his immediate attention to, and one of them was this Miller-Buckfire application given it was under 320. Um, And that's when he made the comment that he made. You know, It was an offhand comment that I'm not concerned about that employment under 328. That's what happens in these cases. Uh, I will say that regarding to the MCA application, which is before the court at one o'clock, which is our financial advisor, Mr. Kroup did have some concerns about that and raised them with us and MCA, and we've resolved that to include some language that modifies the employment, app, employment letter in that case. So Mr. Krupp was looking at these employment applications. Okay. And you know, obviously if the court wants to, I believe Mr. Krupp will be at the hearing this afternoon. And so when
1: we get to the MCA application, I'm going to be curious as to what overlap, if any, uh, we have between MCA and Miller-Buckfire. Because when you look at the Miller-Buckfire retention agreement, it looks a little bit like there is some uh, uh, financial advisor work they they are doing as well. Uh, And I just want to be comfortable in the knowledge that they're really not duplicating efforts, just as a signal to you what's going on at
2: Wall. And, of course, the court can ask me um, this afternoon about that. But since we're here on the Miller-Buckfire application, I'll just tell the court that Miller-Buckfire's tasks in this case are limited to running the sale. They are not providing financial advisory services such as financial analysis, data compilation, and that sort of thing. Um, They are are assembling the data room. They are communicating with potential buyers. They are vetting potential buyers. They are vetting due diligence requests by the potential buyers. They're getting NDAs signed up. That's what their scope of task is. Miller, MCA has nothing to do with that process. Uh, That's to do very clearly They're clearly siloed in that way, Your Honor. Okay,
1: so let me turn to Mr. Farley because, sir, I do have a question for you. Uh, Again, you represent uh, UMB, is that right?
3: That's right, Your Honor.
1: So when I look at the retention agreement, one of the things that it talks about is compensation off of uh, a a credit bid. Your client is the one that's in a position to assert a credit bid uh, should you prove up a, a valid uh, enforceable lien and my question is uh, where is your client with respect to a credit bid and is the 185 million dollar threshold uh, over which the compensation for Miller Buckfire goes from one and a half percent to 3% is that 185 million essentially the credit bid amount that UMB is contemplating here Or is uh, a potential credit bid not even um, a possibility? Or maybe uh, is it a different number that you've locked in or haven't you locked in a number at all?
3: I will have to apologize and let you know that I do not know where my client is on the credit bid and what it would anticipate in in that sense. Um, My firm has been uh, recently retained, uh, has come in for the Lewis local firm, And um, so we are in some ways getting up speed with the, the deal that was uh, struck before the, before the case was filed, and really in, in terms of the, the deals that have been struck since the filing. Um, so I apologize, Your Honor, I wish I could answer that question for you, but I do not have that information. Um, I will ensure that we, uh, we do look at that and maybe by the this, uh, this
1: hearing this afternoon, uh, maybe we can provide an update at that time. Okay, well, maybe uh, uh, what we need to do is turn to Mr. Taylor and see if you can put some, some light on this one. Because the number $185 million is tied to something. It's not, not clear uh, as to what it is tied to, but it struck me that, well, maybe that's uh, under which a credit bid is expected, over which maybe a credit bid won't happen. Uh, or maybe the credit bid uh, is not something that has ever been discussed. But it certainly appears in the retainer agreement, and, and now I've got a question about it.
2: I can't tell you, Arnold, where the $185 million number comes from. That was a number I think that was proposed by um, the uh, Miller Buckfire and agreed to by, by the debtor um, as sort of a breakpoint for where a commission might go up. I don't think... As far as I'm aware, that number isn't tied in any way to a potential credit bid by the bondholders here. Um, as far as a potential for credit bidding, I can only tell you what I gleaned from communications with r- the r- trustees, council, and so forth, and uh, I- uh, Trustee meaning UMB? UMB, I'm sorry, I gotta be, I'll got i just call on the bank. UMB, UMB's council and my sense is that they have desired all along to um preserve the right for a credit bid and we've been careful on that in uh you know in, in the in the dip motion and the, and so forth but i haven't heard from them any sort of positive statement that yes we're going to credit bid x amount or we're going to be actively involved in, in that i think it's more of a preservation of the ability to credit bid should the circumstances cause them to want to do that so
1: Bottom line is you've never heard UMB suggest they're going to submit a credit bid of X.
2: Correct. I Haven't heard that from them. Has there been direct discussions on that topic? No, Your Honor, there hasn't been direct discussions about that.
1: Of course, what I'm thinking here is that if the credit is, is established already at UMB at $185 million, uh, why are we paying a million, or why are we paying uh, 1.5% to uh, Miller Buckfire when it's just simply going to go back to a creditor for that amount. But you don't know of anything in that regard.
2: Your Honor, I can only say that, it, to my knowledge, that $185 million figure is not tied in any way to a credit bid. In fact, that, that engagement agreement was negotiated between the debtor and Miller Buckfire, not the, the, the bank's counsel and financial advisor weren't involved in that process. So I don't see how that could be tied in any way to a credit bid. One
1: other thing that appears in this retainer agreement is the possibility that Miller-Buckfire might engage counsel to uh, assist them. Uh, tell me a scenario under which that would occur, and tell me how that compensation for Miller-Buckfire lawyers occurs, because would that would pres- be outside the flat
2: fee, right? Right, it would be outside the flat fee, Your Honor. I, am I, I guess the scenario that I could foresee is if somebody had some objection to compensation of Miller-Buckfire um when it comes time for you know to divvy up the sale proceeds if that happens uh, and they would have to engage separate counsel to protect their interests in that regard i believe the um the the motion and the order provide that if they do engage counsel and they seek to have those fees paid out of sale funds or however that might be that they would be required to file the applications so okay I that's, that's i think that's it that's in, think that's in the order you are All right.
1: Uh, If and when Miller Buckfire hires counsel and wants to be paid anything from the debtor, they're coming to the court with notice to creditors about what they want, why they want it, and uh, have court approval.
2: Correct, when it comes to their counsel. That's right. Right.
1: Importantly, it's beyond the flat fee. On the flat fee, that's
2: correct. All
1: right, Um, I'm hopeful that uh, you and Ms. Jamal can come to terms, especially looping uh, the committee counsel into this thing. and you know, maybe if you got something to report at one o'clock, great, I'd like to hear it, but uh, my guess is it's gonna take a few days to work your way through all that, and, and I understand that. So,
2: so, Your Honor, we'll upload um, after the hearing today an order that deletes the effective as of the petition date language, and you would ask to You letter.
1: can simply say effective as of the date the motion was filed. That's fine with me.
2: Okay, well, I just took the language out, and it, it'll be what it is, so. Okay.
1: All right, well, I'm looking forward to the hearing at 1 o'clock. I appreciate the preview, and um, anybody have any final questions or comments? Let's we'll start with Mr. Farley. You, Your Honor, thank you. Mr. Farley, are you going to uh, look a little bit into this uh, credit bid issue that I've inquired to see if you can give me a little bit more update at 1 o'clock today?
3: Your Honor, I, I will do so as soon as I get off this uh, this call and my colleague, Peter Riggs, will be in person for us at 1 o'clock hearing, um, so i would anticipate that he'll take that up, but I'll also plan to be on as well to uh, answer any questions, but we'll most likely just be
1: so I'm understanding Peter Riggs is coming in this afternoon, and you're going to prep him to uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about credit bid, strategy, prospects, commitments, whatever, right? That's
3: correct, Your Honor.
1: Thank you, Mr. Farley. Ms. Guillermo, anything else before we adjourn?
0: Uh, my understanding that was that this was also a
2: status hearing. I think that was set for 1 o'clock. Yes. That's my understanding, too. Oh, that's too. 1 o'clock. Yes.
1: Okay.
0: Okay.
2: okay.
1: <laughs> we got a lot to do at 1 o'clock, uh, but it sounds like the biggest attraction where all the objections are residing is not going to get resolved uh, this afternoon. Correct? Uh,
2: you're correct, Your Honor. are like I said, we're we're asking the court to continue that final hearing on the dip motion, but there there could very well be um, some issues dealing with at least one objection that the court will need to address uh, the, in advance at the hearing this afternoon on that. So we'll bring that before the court at that time.
1: Just uh, so I can focus on that particular issue, uh, give me a heads up as to which one I should drill <laughs> down on, Simply, Your Honor.
2: Um, It's the objection that was filed by Wholesale Floors, which is Mr. Pack's client. Um, They had uh, made an objection that was along the lines of, uh, first of all, there's no proof that keeping the property open maximizes value for this asset. And so they're questioning why we need dip lending for that. And then number two, they're suggesting that they be given an opportunity to conduct limited discovery and I guess hold some sort of an evidentiary hearing on lean priority of their mechanics liens vis-a-vis uh, the bank's pre-petition liens. And um, I will tell the court that we've objected to that. We're not going to agree to that. Um, and I'm happy to present that argument at, this afternoon. But that's where it's going to be, is I think there's going to be a request by Mr. Pack, as far as I know, to engage in that kind of discovery and have that. OK, I appreciate that.
1: I'll see everybody at 1 o'clock then. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judge.